Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of In Flight. I'm Sol Vashas. And I'm Norm Murray, aka Explain 1972. It's great to be here today. Thank you guys so much for joining us again. It's been a while since we've talked. Um, we have been off for quite a bit uh, because I noticed that I wasn't completely happy with the way the episodes were turning out, and I wanted to reformat the show and make it a little bit more natural because it felt really, really rigid, everything, and the conversations didn't really feel fluid. So we've done a lot of work behind the scenes in order to make sure that that is not the case anymore. Interviews are a lot more fluid and they're a lot more of a conversation than just me asking a question and then the interviewee answering them. And also um, removing the news section. We're going to be speaking about the news and talking about one or two topics here and there, which we'll get to in a little bit. But that's that's the general gist of what has changed. Uh, everything is pretty much in the same place. Besides that, we're still going to be interviewing guests and we're still going to be talking about the news. We're just not going to be going down the list. We figured that if you're listening to the podcast, you're here to listen to people talk and not listen to something that you could simply read on the website. So part of that change, um, as I said, was making conversations more fluid. And I thought to myself, um, and I also listened to myself many times while I was recording, and I noticed that I needed somebody else to pitch in here and there in areas where I lacked a little bit, because I'm not a perfect person. And here and there, I am not able to come up with something to say or, or think of something. And immediately, I thought, why not get a second co-host, an official co-host? Because as you guys know, uh, Magnus was on, Magnus is the CEO threshold. He was on for one episode, but that didn't continue because we simply could never find times because there's a massive time zone difference between us. Uh, so as I was thinking about people to invite, um, I thought about Norm, who is, as you heard, our new co-host, um, because Norm and I have had a few conversations before and we have a very, very good flow, I think. And uh, I'm really, really excited this episode to have his first interaction with me, his his first like main interview be with Cessna Rocks. So that will be happening later. But for now, it is my pleasure to introduce Norm. <laughs> hey, Sol, how you doing? First of all, let me say thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to actually share this platform with you and um, being a part of the team here because I love the podcast that I've listened to so far um, from Threshold. And uh, I think you're, you're doing a great job anyway on it. But I'm just so happy to join it, man, definitely. And I think this is something that um, the flight sim community needs more of. So I'm happy to be a part of it. If you guys don't know me, uh, my name is Norman Murray, but otherwise known as Explain 1972. Basically, I'm an up-and-coming YouTube streamer. And some of you guys might see me on YouTube, some of you might not, but when you get a chance, check it out, join it. But not just streaming, um, I'm also involved in just looking at what's going on in the community itself, especially with the news, the development. And so <clears throat> I thought fitting that the first episode I get to be on has to do with a brand new airplane coming out that's causing a stir and an excitement and controversy, which is the Tolis eight three twenty one. So that's what we're here to talk about today. So I would say let's get to it, man. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are living under a rock, no, that's harsh. <laughs> if you have not been um, completely updated on the news, um, a 
about two months ago, I think it was around the December 20th time, uh, Talias, who is uh, responsible for the very popular A319, announced that they are developing, they were developing an A321, which is yet to be seen in X-Plane 11 besides Peter Hager's A321, which wasn't as popular since it lacked some system depth. Uh, but they announced that and it has generated a lot of hype. And in my opinion, it's quite understandable since uh, you are speaking to somebody who is probably the largest A321 fanatic that there is. I literally lost my mind when I saw the first pictures of the A321 Neo. Um, and, you know, as embarrassing as it is to admit that, it's also just, I guess you kind of have to know that before we hop into this conversation. But We've been seeing screenshots here and there of the aircraft as developers normally release before uh, it comes out. But recently, this week, um, which is in this is the week right before it comes out, I believe it comes out on Friday. Am I right about that? Yep, it it is coming out on Friday. I'm hoping Friday at twelve or one a.m. so I can go ahead and grab it. Uh, it's funny you're saying that this aircraft is actually your favorite airplane. I was never an Airbus fan, to be honest. When I just started simming, and Boeing was all the way for me. Then I got the 320, then the Tolis 319, and then for some reason, when they introduced the A321, my excitement level went through the roof. Honestly, I'm looking forward to this plane as big as much as you are, and you are a 321 fan. So I am just as excited about this plane, and congrats to Tolis for bringing it to X-Plane because it's going to be good for the community. Definitely, I think so. Yeah, I completely agree. And to also explain like the scale of my love, I bought P3D and bought the Aerosoft A320, well, A320 Extended, I think that's what it's called, just to get the A321 in my hangar. And it, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, that's the only reason I have P3D these days. Of course, I've added other aircraft here and there. Um but the re aircraft releases in two days. And in preparation for the release, of course, pricing and stuff has been uh, announced. Um, and also a few other features of the aircraft, uh, such as the full feature list, which adds a few things. And we'll get into that a little bit more because uh, the fact that it isn't an extensive list has kind of generated um, some controversy in the threshold comments and also some of the Talias comments. Uh, but um, we'll start with the good, I guess. Yeah. Um, they announced that um, Tuda Mac um, is going to be joining the team. Um, if you don't know about Tuda Mac, um, they are responsible for really, really popular uh, textures online on the, the .org store um, for the A319. Uh, so popular, in fact, I think that I have never seen a Talias a319 picture without them actually um they're great they make uh they make the aircraft look so much better and so much more realistic oh yeah let me say i remember when the a319 came out and it, the textures were like blah right but you can fly the airplane yeah the minute the totemac came out it literally shot up on my scale of airplanes that i wanted to be in the cockpit and flying because at the time the a320 from flight factor was good the, the cockpit textures were good. When the Totemac came out with his textures for the A319, even though it generated controversy with Tolis, I think, it, was, it, it made that airplane so much better, 100%. I'm also somebody who's very into visuals with aircraft as well. For me, um, 
one reason why Microsoft Flight Simulator is so exciting to me is visuals. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed the simulator to look as realistic as possible, as I'm sure many people do. Um, but visuals and sound are big things. So that's another great thing that's happening with the A321 is that they're adding IAE sounds by default, and I think IAE engines sound really good. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. That's a big plus. They so they. Um, announced these textures that are going to be released with the A321 that are from um, Totemac. Um, and uh, this was received very, very well by the community. Um, and it is also going to be something that is added to the A319. Uh, there are reports that there's going to be an update to the A319 about a week after the A321 releases um, to um, bring it up to the standard the A321, but I think that this is a great decision by them because not only is it great for press because then you, you're you adding something that so many people love, but it also shows that you're paying attention to what other people want, which is something that is not only hard for aircraft developers, I think, um, because as we've discussed on this show, people want so many things, but I think it's also hard for companies in general to do these days is pay attention to things that people are buying and things that people want and actually delivering on them. True. It's actually pretty similar to what they did with the Avitav. Remember the Avitav was just a uh, independent add-on that you can get for different planes. And yeah. now they incorporated that into the A319. So I think it's going to be in the A321 also. Same thing with Totemac. It's just that good. It makes the airplane better. Why not bring these guys on board? And that's what they did. So kudos to them for doing that. You know, so you literally download the airplane out of the box without needing many add-ons or many product changes, you know, by third party. It's good. It's a good look. I like it. And it also just goes to show how great, um, well, just how game-changing some of these things can be. Just a simple add-on. Uh, another thing that happened this week actually was um, the Jar Design A320 is going to be getting a pretty massive visual update and also systems update soon. And they've added an EFB that looks almost exactly like uh, Avitab. Why did I say it with that accent? But <laughs> yeah, but it looks almost exactly like that. And I think that that kind of just goes to show like how important the community is to shaping things like this because you see so many people want this and then you just integrate it because you are able to pay attention to the market. And I think that that's like... I. Have to, I have to give praise to both Tobias and Jar Design for paying attention to something like that because I know that would probably fly right under my nose. No pun intended. <laughs> Makes the immersion factor way yeah, better. Just better. Absolutely. So that's another plane we're looking forward to. I'm probably going to have to give the Jar A320 another look when the update comes out, but that's for another time, though. Along with the um, announcement of this texture thing, I believe it was two days ago now. Let me check. It was... Yeah, it was about two or three days ago as of this recording. Yeah, it was on February 24th. Um, so we they announced the price uh, for the A321. And uh, the A319 is $69. And the A321 is $79. And um, that price was released. And um, although the Talias A321 is a very complete aircraft, people didn't feel like it was it needed to be that price, considering how little was added 
compared to the eight through 19. Like if you, if you were to check our website, um, the, the feature change is not that big. It's like the, the important stuff that you're actually going to notice takes up maybe the page of my computer. And right. that's with like double spaces and such. And people felt as if asking for that extra $10 and, and charging that high price was a little unfair compared to what was being added on top of the fact that A319 people did not receive a discount for that, which a lot of people thought was not really fair as well. Um, since they had already purchased the product, I guess people had seen it as kind of like a family of products since even companies on the other side, such as, um, what's it called? Such as PMDG and um, what was the other one? Who, whoever develops the the really, oh, uh, FS Labs. FS Labs, right. Yeah, they, they both only charge, they don't charge full price in order to upgrade to get extra variants. And it was kind of seen... Uh, there, there was a lot of negative reaction because you look at that side and you feel as if like that's what you should have. I've, I've actually gone in my mind back and forth on this since the price was announced and the, the contra- controversy over the price. At first, yeah, absolutely. My, my initial reaction was, geez, wow. You know, didn't look like they did much more development to get an A321 from an A319. Stress to future lodge, you know, do this, do that, some system updates, some differences between the two. You know, I was like, wow, that's steep. But on the other hand, <clears throat> and I know I might not be popular for saying this, you know, it, it, it's similar to, hmm, how should I say it? Maybe a flight factor 7576 were basically same plane, except different cockpit, uh, different um, cabin, maybe. I don't know. You know, and I'm looking at it from that perspective. The do they did they need to charge an extra ten bucks? Maybe not, but even at sixty nine, you know, I think it would. It's a fair price. Look, X Plane needs this, and they kind of know that in the market, nobody else is even close to get anything like this out there. And the way they have turned this around so quick after the A319 came out, um, I'm willing to swallow the pill for the seventy nine dollar price to get this airplane. Because from what I've seen of it so far, it's similar. I mean, that's what Airbus is. They're just all similar cockpits. So, you know, I mean, you can't really blame the developer uh, as far as saying, oh, you didn't do much work on it. It's the same plane. Why are you selling it so much? It, it, it flies differently. From what I've seen, it flies differently, right? The cabin is different. As a matter of fact, I saw a walkthrough of the cabin and I was just on an A321 maybe a few months ago. And I have a video of me sitting at the window seat with no windows. And, I'm, and when I looked at the cabin, the way they modeled it, it looks just like the one I was on. You know, so that work is done. Um, they're giving another plane, not giving, they're selling another plane in the X-Plane community that's been missing for a long time, right? Uh, the developer is very responsive to change, as we talked about. They are... Um, they're just on point with the A319. Um, like from when it started to what it is now, it's almost one of my most favorite airplanes to fly in the sim. So I'm kind of giving them credit for just being the first to come out with it, come out with it in a, in a finished stage. Not, not like um, version 0.9 or 9.8 or 9.7. It's like a 1.0, right? 
and I think can only get better. So yeah, I do understand like, wow, you know, that's kind of steep for not a lot of work, but I also give him credit for bringing it out for us to, to have to fly. So, you know, I go back and forth on it. As I said, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'm, as you were saying that I was reading through a few comments that were left on our website, just to see, just to get like a better idea as to what some other people are feeling as well. And <clears throat> I mean, I initially talked about how excited I was for the aircraft and that's not something that dies just because I see an $80 price tag. Yes, it does deteriorate my desire to immediately purchase the aircraft because I have to think about it a little bit more. But at the end of the day, it's important to keep in mind that they are competing with other developers. Although they, although this is an aircraft that hasn't been made yet, um, the developer sphere is still very much a competition. I think that sometimes people forget uh, that that's the fact because aircraft, uh, because um, developers are designing different aircraft. When you know, there's a few comments on our page that point out the fact that this is kind of, and this is also something that you, that you brought up, but this is kind of competing with the flight factor aircraft as well. And that's actually, in my opinion, really, really good business if they're, if they're making this a competitive product against one of their competitors. And to that, you kind of have to give them credit. Um, and also, like, <clears throat> although the feature list might not be huge, um, somebody was really quick to point out, and I think that this is completely valid, um, they said to bear in mind that you get the TSS sounds for both of the en engine variants. And that is, like, custom sounds are, are usually something that we have to pay at least $20 for. Like, every single BSS sound, I think, is about $20. So if you think about it, it's actually quite reasonable what they're saying in a lot of ways. And as you said, this is a one-of-a-kind aircraft. We've never had an A321 for X-Plane. Maybe it's expensive in the eyes of some, yes, but also there's an argument to be made that um, DeAndre Newman actually brought up that um, X-Plane users are not necessarily used to paying as much money because we have like so many free add-ons and stuff. And maybe some of this complaining is actually just coming from the way that the community is, um, I guess, formed as a whole. And that, that might be the bigger, the bigger thing here is just that we're just not used to prices like this. I mean, I'm on a whole, we, we, we do fare better than the P3D FSX people of the world because they get charged $100, $120 for an airplane, you know? We haven't approached that price tag over here yet. And I think because maybe just a smaller market share and people wouldn't go for it. But yeah, um, I think we're going to be seeing that the more popular this, this sim gets and the more these airplanes that come out, you know, I mean, we, we're lucky we have had three good Airbus within the span of a year, you know, 319, 320, and now the 321. So, you know, I, I'm sure they thought about it. I'm sure they went back and forth saying, hey, you know, should we or shouldn't we? But I think they, <laughs> they, they know that they would win in the end with this price because people just absolutely want the airplane to fly. And that's what somebody said too. And the, in our comments, they just said um, they, they're charging this because they know that people are going to get it. And they're not wrong. I mean, I will eventually get it because I love the plane. 
and that's not gonna that's not gonna stop me eventually and i mean the org store has sales all the time <laughs> so if you're complaining about it now just wait a few months honestly and you'll get it on a sale yeah but you know um also the price also has to attract new add-on developers to explain because people are not going to want to bring their products here at all if they realize that they can't make any money here. So that's one aspect that people have to look at, say, wait a minute, you know, we want everything for 40 and 50 bucks, but somebody's going to go, you know, how much time I need to put into my product to, to make a little bit of cash from it versus I can make a good, you know, decent amount of change. And it's, it's, that's how it runs. It, it's the economy, it's capitalism, demand and supply and people worth people's time, basically then. I, as I said, I, I don't know how to develop an airplane. I can't write code, but I can't imagine it's easy. It takes time and a staff or whatever. And bringing all the people on board. You're bringing Totemac on board. You got to pay him. Avatap guy's got to get money. And this is the reality of it. So I want the, the developers to come to explain. I don't want them charging me 100 bucks for a plane. But I think 80 is like the cutoff. No more than that, you know? <laughs> no. And I think that showing that showing other developers that you're willing to put competitive prices there because again so many people have pointed out that this is on the level of the 757 and the 767 in time terms of prices i think it, in a lot of ways you have to give talias credit for actually uh like going strong through this well <clears throat> pushing through this decision and being competitive because ultimately as you said that's also, that's going to bring that's going to bring more people to explain, which I think everybody would love. Like imagine having every single plane that you could ever want because developers bring competition over and that makes more planes um, that, that brings more planes into development. And like, that'd be amazing if I could just go onto the .org store or just anywhere else and just get like an Antonov or something like that. And just like, fly that and just not have to worry about um going over to another platform in order to fly some plane or just having to wait or use a um a lackluster like free add-on in order to fly a specific plane i'll tell i'll tell you right now the next developer that brings a good triple seven to x plane and they're going to be charging 80 bucks for it or more you know we lack that so the room is there for it. You know, unfortunately, you're just going to have to pay for good stuff. <laughs> That's it. Not unfortunately, it just it is, you know. So as far as Tolis is concerned, the A321, um, is it a sweet spot pricing? I'm not sure, but will people get it? Yes, I think so. Definitely think so. I completely agree. And with that, we're going to now transition into speaking with Cessna Rocks. It is my pleasure today to introduce Tatiana, also known as Cessna Rocks. She is a very, very prominent um, painter. So she paints a lot of different aircraft and stuff. She has recently transitioned from doing X-Plane 11 into P3D, but we will talk about that a little bit more as we get on. Welcome Tatiana to the show. Thank you, glad to be here. How's it going today? Is uh, your lazy Sunday morning not too disrupted by this? Yeah, no, you know, I, I normally am just playing video games or working on stuff, so yeah, no. This is fine. <laughs> yeah, I saw you were playing World of Tanks. That's yeah. an interesting, interesting morning choice. Really gets you, gets you banging. <laughs> yeah, World of Tanks, World of Warships. I, 
ships are ships are actually like my primary interest like i love planes too but ships really get me going so anything that has water planes ships it's all good it sucks that there isn't like a legitimately good ship simulator out there like i've seen a few but then they're all just like kind of blocky listen people are gonna hate me but if i could trade flight simulator 2020 (laughs) for a good ship simulator 2020 i would so <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> wow well I'll, that's surprising that, that's quite yeah a bit. yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna put myself in hot water here at school <laughs> i mean compared to um flight simulator what's the pace of a ship simulator what are I mean, missions doing that's that's why that there isn't um a good ship simulator is because so like the last one was ship simulator extremes um like that's the last half decent one and they took that um, the people that were making that made it only commercial. Um, so they got rid of the entertainment aspect, which I think is interesting when you consider um, how similar Flight Sim is. But Flight Sim has enough variety and like speed that they can keep that entertainment sector going. Um, but with ships, everything is so slow that I think most people just cannot handle it. Um, but yeah, I, I just like large machines so that it for me it doesn't really matter how long it takes interesting but. so for a painter you actually like large machines you're like industrial at one end and you're an artist at the other end yeah wow, what a dynamic yeah, yeah it, it's interesting and i'm in this kind of like what the joy i get out of painting like um like heavy aircraft like are always my favorite to paint because it's so cool to like see your work like in the simulator um in the scale and the size, like when you're working on the PSD um, or the UV map or, or whatever you want to paint it, like you, you kind of forget because it's just like this tiny file and you're zoomed in on pixels and stuff. And then that moment when you see it in the simulator, um, it's just like, wow, like look how big wow, that so is. Ba- <laughs> so basically you're looking at from a perspective of painting industrial machines including yeah, an airplane. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's a very that's a very different perspective than I've heard before. It it seems like people kind of focus on the smaller details and focus about it actually being in the simulator and as a simulator product as opposed to like a really, you know, as you were saying, like a really big machine. I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Well, I think I think I've always had a little different and this is something that works very well for me and also works against me in terms of people that um, want me to do liveries for them, which is a lot of people. I, I think I stopped accepting requests, but that capped out at about 600. Um, and wow. it's bad because I, um, and I'm sure we'll talk further into this. Um, I've started painting um, because there was a livery that I wanted. Um, and I had too much anxiety to ask somebody. I didn't know who to ask. And so I was like, well, I already know how to use Photoshop. So I'm just going to, um, paint this. And then I was like, you know what? It turned out pretty good. So I put it on the org and then, you know, keeps going. Um, but I think that's something that still to this day, um, affects me. Cause I'm just like, I'll paint it if I want to fly it versus a lot of painters Um, similar to a lot of developers that I know, they'll be like, oh, well, I just want to make this so that people can 
download like i don't care about flying it or whatever you know a lot of developers stop using their products they just start developing and they stop flying um and that's never been the case for me like every time after i'd make delivery i'd load up do a flight in it um so most liveries that I've made are, are ones that I'm passionate about, about seeing in a simulator myself. Wow. So basically see a need, fill a need. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So how did you get into aviation? Uh, because it seems like you were already there before painting. It wasn't painting came first, yeah. which is something that I've heard a few times before, which is like, oh, I was an artist and I saw this community where I could, where I like enjoyed a little bit and was already into flying and then decided to hop in there and become an artist yeah. and then flying came after. Yeah. So how did it, it became, came before? Yeah. So av- aviation, I mean, I mean, like I said, uh, machines have always been a huge draw of mine um, since I was little. And so when I was way younger, my grandparents actually, they had um, a couple planes. Um, they had a few King airs for their business, um, and a 182 and a Baron. Um, I didn't really, I was way too young. They had to sell them, um, uh, back in the early two thousands for economic reasons. Um, but I remember like going into hangar and, and seeing them. Um, I don't remember any flights on them, but, but that's like kind of all it took. And I was super into trains and boats. And I lived in Memphis, Tennessee, um, which is, um, I know a lot of people don't know much about Memphis, but it, it actually has like a good um, mix up of industry. Um, it's a massive hub for um, BNSF, um, which is a, a shipping organization. And then you have the Mississippi River, which has a lot of barges and uh, of very large barges uh, and boats and et cetera. And then uh, you have FedEx's main hub. So there's tons of planes. Um, and back in the day, it was also Northwest Airlines hub. Um, so there were there was tons of aviation um, around Memphis when I was growing up there. And I think that definitely influenced heavily um, the direction that I, I kind of saw um, my life going into. And I ended up taking my first flight lesson at um, 13. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so I was really young, um, and it was in a 172, my first flight lesson, um, and it's a nice area to train in. In Memphis? Um, it's really pretty. Yeah, yeah, you know, because you, you have to deal with the uh, Memphis Bravo. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. But you also have, like, Arkansas and grass runways and fields and um, a lot of landmarks uh, that's that can be really helpful. Um, so like you have the busy airspace of Memphis, but right outside of it, there's literally nothing. Yeah. I fly in, um, I fly at Ben Nye's airport in LA. So you always have to deal with the Bravo airspace. And then I have to deal with, um, like other stuff that happens at Ben Nye's. But then if you go a little bit North, then you have like Oxnard, Oxnard and you have Ventura and then you have all of those like little airports there. It's, it seems very yeah. similar. I, th- I think those are always the best areas to train in, like where you get a good variety of airspace. Um, but I mean, I was really young at that time and I actually took my first flight lesson before I, I got into simulators. Oh, really? Um, or I, I first flew, flew in a, a small plane before then. And then it was like at 11. So yeah, it was a little before my lesson. 
I got flight gear. Hmm, interesting. Um, and that was actually the first sim that I, I used, but it was only for a weekend because I had ordered um, like the, was it the SciTech like yoke and pedals? Like, you know, that, that suite that's been out forever. Um, I had ordered that stuff and it came before my disc version of X plane nine came in the mail. So I was like, well, I'll just keep using these on flight gear. So I had like a solid like weekend or week where um, I could do that. Um, but flight gear was awesome back then. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it's like now. I, have, I haven't loaded it up in a while, but flight gear was pretty sweet back then. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I actually now I'm remembering this was such a small part. Um, back when I think I was like six, I had like one of the flight simulators. It was either FSX or FS um 2008 is that i can't remember 2009 i think 2009 one of the old ones fs9 okay fs9 yeah one of the old ones i like had tried to install it on my grandmother's computer Mm -hmm. and it was a train wreck nothing happened so (laughs) (laughs) that was that was that was the first attempt but that was a failure uh but i got x-plane 9 i remember i got it like right when it came out um and yeah, it, it had just come out. It was like the new thing. And I remember I decided to get it instead of FSX because I was watching um, YouTube videos um, of both of them. And it it's funny now to me, but what actually got me to do it was the water. Um, I just thought the water in X-Plane 9 looked so much better than the water in FSX. Returning um, to that boat thing. Yep. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> water is a big deal for me. So mm-hmm. I I just thought that the water looked better. And then that um, that Bombardier, um, what was that old X-Plane default aircraft? The, the Was it the CRJ? The CL-415 or something. Uh, that seaplane, that the firefighting one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. that one, like the yellow yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, the yellow and red one uh, that that Javier Roland uh, made as a default aircraft. Um, yeah, that that one was also like, a, okay, this is definitely what I want. Um, yeah, <laughs> and that that was that was my favorite plane in X Plane Nine, um, and that was X Plane Nine. It was way different than what we have now. Like, I think a lot of people won't know because I think a large part of the X-Plane user base now came in at X-Plane 11. Yes. Um, and then even larger part before that started X-Plane 10. There's, there's very few people that, that um, started in X-Plane 9 that you can find. I must have looked at X-Plane 9 for maybe one month before X-Plane 10 came out. Yeah. And it, it was a, a huge step. It was. And now X-Plane 11 is even more. Yeah. I mean, I the flights that I used to do in X-Plane 9 that I thought were just like wow this is so real like when i think about them now are laughable i mean i remember uh, i think a lot of people in, in x-plane 11 even are familiar with the magnite 787 yep um and so that plane is actually an x-plane 9 aircraft um it came out um in the earlier start of x-plane 9 um and that's that's actually made by a developer um, who, who unfortunately has passed away. Um, but Heinz, um, I, I 
do not know how to say his last name, but uh, he went by Heinz. Um, and then, uh, so he had, he made tons of aircraft, um, Heinz aircraft. He had his own website, but the 787 was his sort of flagship. Um, and back then, before the CRJ 200 came out, that was the best plane in X Plane. This was before Flight Factor even started making planes. Right. Um, they started development on the 777, um, I think, soon after the 787 came out. Um, but, however, Roman of, of Flight Factor, he was making planes on his own at that time. And he was, Roman was my favorite developer, actually. Um, that IL 96 was, was the most complicated plane that I had. And that was largely because it was all Russian. Um, but, <laughs> but anyway. A big piece of tri- a trivia here. You mentioned X-Plane 9. Do you know that the minimum requirements was a 128 megabyte video card? Oh my God. X-Plane 9? Yeah. Just, wow. Just a bit of trivia. There. <laughs> it just goes to show you. Exactly. Wow. Oh, and I forgot yeah. all of this. All of this was on a MacBook. Like, oh my. Yeah. Everything was on a MacBook. Not even a MacBook Pro. It was like one of those old white macbooks like, like the, the bubble ones yeah yes yes yep. um it was yeah we were struggling um, <laughs> but yeah yeah i remember i used to do long haul flights in the 787 that used the x-plane 9 default fms that you couldn't put waypoints in <laughs> so <laughs> it was direct to oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i would just put in direct to and go um so, and I thought it was so real. I was like, wow, this is exactly what they do. Um, I didn't know about the waypoints and everything. Um, but because I, you know, I was just doing like, I was young. Yeah. So you're basically looking at over what, over 10 years of flight simming, basically? Yeah, I, I think I'm at like 11 now. Um, yeah, it, it's been a, it's been a while. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it continued like that for, for a bit for a few years and i didn't really painting actually was like the um catalyst for me really diving into flight sim as a um learning everything about it versus before it was kind of just like something i'm doing casually because i was focusing more on real life um flying um but and i i've never been interested in um ga in in simulators um because I don't know, I, I just have, was always flying, you know, 172s and 152s or, or what have you in real life. So I was just like, well, I don't really want to do it in the simulator because I'm doing it all the time in real life. So why do that? So I would instead load up like 777 or, or whatever and just do dumb stuff. <laughs> but yeah. Basically, something that's really unattainable in the short term, you know, that's right. why I fly tube liners too. So yeah, one seventy two. You can go down to your local airport and you know do a test flight or a, you know familiarity flight, but you're not going to be able to get in the cockpit of an airliner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people feel that way. It's just like I'd rather fly something that I'm never going to have the chance to. I think that's why some of these like really obscure aircraft can still succeed in flight sim. Um, it's just because like people are like. I have never even heard of that plane and I want to fly it and you can. So, um, yeah, it's neat. Um, but I, yeah, the, the early X plane nine days were rough. 
it's, <laughs> it's really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and now now I actually have an interesting like look back on it like since I use um I use a lot of P3D now and so it actually has me like looking back into what was going on in the ESP side of things while I was doing my direct two flights in the Heinz 787 um so it's just like interesting to to see like hmm well I could have been doing this if I had not seen that video about X-Plane 9's water. But then think about all the other stuff that would have changed. Um, yeah, wouldn't be, probably wouldn't have painted liveries if I went to ESP. So I think everything works out. So what, what would you say the main reason is where you're, why you're painting P3D liveries now more so than X-Plane 11? Um, I, and I, yeah, this is, I've been thinking a lot about this. I made that announcement kind of uh, right when I um, came back um, just because it was something that I'd, I'd taken like about a year off um, for personal reasons. And yeah, when I came back, I was just like, I don't, I don't see, think that I'm, I'm going to paint much of X-Plane anymore. And I think a, a big part of it does have to do with um, the, the Microsoft new Microsoft Flight Simulator, um, because you know it's it's hard to keep investing um, significant amount of time in a simulator that you feel like is not going to be uh, that you're not going to use much in the future. Um, but additionally, I've also I think this is something, especially the people that uh, got upset with the, with that announcement. Um, don't realize is I have made a lot of liveries for X-Plane, not uh, for X-Plane. <laughs> yeah. So I, there's a certain point um, where you've done so much stuff that you kind of run out of things to do. And the X-Plane development side of things that there, there really isn't too much going on aircraft wise. Um, like in terms of new aircraft, I mean, you have Flight Factor making updates and releasing variants of um, the 7.6 and 7.5.7 respectively. But, you know, there, there's not really many new planes where it feels like something fresh for me to remake liveries that I've done for other aircraft. Um, and, and even that is not as enjoyable as if it was like a different... Um, totally different thing um so yeah i mean i i don't even know i think i i think i made like 300 or so liveries for x-plane um and it's a sig significant amount of time i mean i average each one takes about five hours so yeah. it's it's a lot of time um and effort and yeah i kind of reached a point where there wasn't any more there weren't any more liveries where i was like oh i want that livery even though I know other people have liveries they want. Now, I would, I would say that your X-Plane legacy will live on because you're basically covered every single plane in X-Plane that's worth flying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've painted, I've painted most planes because I own almost every plane. So, like, and, and that, I've even painted planes that, that like, I haven't released the liveries for um, for one reason or another, like either the plane was in beta when I painted it and I just never ported it to the final version. Um, that's the case for the, the Tolis 
um or i got upset with the developer and i was just like whatever um yeah i mean yeah it's a it's a lot of liveries and like i understand that other other people will want to keep flying x-plane and i hope that people do keep enjoying the liveries that i have made for x-plane but for me a lot of my flying um has just gone in a, a little different direction and yeah just trying to you know keep things fresh for me and keep things enjoyable for me. Um, and, you know, a lot of this, I, I didn't even like uh, recently or no, the whole time. Let's see. I've been painting. How long have I been painting? Like five years, I think. And so up until like two months ago, I, I refused outright any sort of like compensation um, from any individuals just because it, it wasn't something that uh, I was interested in and people always wanted to sort of bribe their way to <laughs> the top of my list. Right. Um, like I can't even tell you the amount of like, I'll give you this amount of money if you, <laughs> you paint mine, my livery tomorrow or whatever. Um, it, it's nonstop. And so it's just kind of something I was like, no, like this is a hobby of mine. This is, a passion of mine and I'm not trying to like mix it in with other stuff. And like when that feeling goes away, um, I'm not the type of person to come back to it for compensation or anything. It's like, if it, if the passion goes away, it's really hard to get back into something. And that, that's kind of where I, where I hit with, with X plane a little bit. There's certain aircraft that, um, that I do still love and explain, um, like the TBM uh, especially is a great one. I, I do plan on um, continuing my work with uh, Hot Start because um, I think they're outstanding developers. Um, and I, I, I do love painting their aircraft. For all you X-Plane fans out there, don't worry. All the liveries or a lot of the liveries he has done is still available. Cessna Rocks liveries dot com. Yeah. Gonna give you a plug there. Yeah. It's still there. Of course. Yeah. And they're they're definitely gonna stay there. I I have no intention of um ever getting rid of those. And if I if I ever for some reason have to um shut down the website for some reason, I'll try to make sure those liveries either go back on the org or um let me know so I can grab them before you take them. Of course, yeah. (laughs) Cause I have used your liveries over and over and over again. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of stuff there. And I think a lot of people don't know because, because I did stop um, posting on the org. Um, and so I see sometimes I don't, I don't go on the org much at all anymore, but I do see sometimes that people are making liveries that, that I've done. And I think they just don't know that they're like hidden down somewhere, especially like the jet blue for the A3 for the flight factor, a three twenty. Um, I've done pretty much every JetBlue style, but they're like all in this Dropbox folder. <laughs> you've you've done ones that you haven't even released? No, they're they're all. I've just done. I did a twenty four hour stream one time, and I did I think eighteen different JetBlue liveries, like all the different. Oh, that's tales. like that. That's the pack. Yeah, I yeah. have that. I I fly that like constantly because JetBlue is by far my favorite airline. Yeah, and. Yeah, I, I downloaded that like immediately. I was like, oh my God, thank God somebody has done all of them. Because when I used to fly the jar design, there was only like two. 
Yeah. And it was like, it was the blueberry one and then it was the stripes one. And those, yeah. in my opinion, are the two worst JetBlue liveries. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was really funny because those tails are beautiful. Um, yeah, love their tails. You yes. have a total of, you have a total of 20 JetBlue liveries. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 20. So, <laughs> yeah. There, yeah, that, that was a, I stayed up 24 hours straight working on those and I did all the ones that I could. I, I think I missed, three it was the boston red Sox one I, I know i didn't do that one and then there was two uh ones that had a lot of text on the the back of the fuselage and those are on the flight factor those are the most difficult um things the, the way the back of the fuselage is cut or are unmapped um it's extremely difficult to have like words going over the back um, because you have to line up the letters and it, it gets really confusing. And, you know, I was awake for, I think it was 26 hours and I was just like, nope, not happening. Um, and I was supposed to like get around to doing them, but, but again, it's a thing where you kind of get burnt out. Um, so I just didn't touch, I couldn't even fly them for like two weeks. I was like, no, <laughs> I don't, I don't, so trauma. done with this. Yeah. I don't want to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> it was the same. Yeah. I did the same thing with Virgin America, except that was like much easier because it was mostly just changing names. But it's it's like one of the things somebody dared me. I was like, okay, fine, I'll just do all of them. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then of course, Virgin America freaking goes out of business like a couple weeks after I did that. It was just like great. <laughs> Still kind of pissed about that. They were such a great airline. I remember the first time I went on them. I know. I I wasn't expecting it. And then also right after you released the JetBlue liveries, if I remember correctly, that's when they also released the uh, the Nets livery. And I I was like, oh, why is the Nets livery not here? And I was like, oh, probably because it was just released or something. Because I had seen it, um, you released it. And then right after that, like, honestly, like a week or two later, then I took a flight to uh, Florida. And then I saw... Um, I saw on JetBlue's Instagram page, it was like, oh, we have this new livery. It's the new Nets livery. And then sure enough, right as I came back from Fort Lauderdale, I was at LaGuardia and then there is the livery right there. And I was like, wow, I really wish that this was there. And I was confused for a second as to why you hadn't done it. But, you know, sometimes airlines don't think about you. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I really wish they would cue me in. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a heads up before time. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that, that airlines really often do um, is you, you paint a certain registration and they change the, the livery like ever so slightly um, or completely redesign the same livery. Like that happened um, with one of the, the jets, New York jets. Mm-hmm they i painted the old version what the new york jets livery used to look like but they like completely redid it i saw somebody did it the other day and, and did a very good job with it um but i, I people recipe they're like that doesn't look right and i'm like well that's <laughs> this is the old one <laughs> um come on <laughs> yeah and it, it was the same thing with the um for the uh, zebo mod the um american airlines astrojet livery um they like removed the bare metal off of the cargo doors Ooh. and and on the belly and i was like 
are you serious <laughs> <laughs> you're really like, gonna really? do me Cause, like that <laughs> yeah because now everybody thinks that mine's wrong <laughs> like and it looks the exact same otherwise i find the flight sim community kind of strange when it comes to details and deliveries i mean what kind of criticism that have you gotten or any really from just missing a little detail on delivery people are fanatic about it for some reason something yeah it's very odd um and in line with this i think it goes with the same thing of people like getting upset like if i say i'm not doing x-plane deliveries anymore um i think in flight sim it it has like that little bit of a learning curve that can make you feel so um, much more, I don't know how to phrase it, make you feel smarter than everybody, if that makes sense. Uh, yep. And true. I think that goes with a feeling of entitlement. So people think like, oh, like this should be how I want it. Like, because I know this, I know this hobby. Like this, this is mine. Like I know everything about these planes. Um, I could, I could fly the plane in real life. Like you know that right. kind your, of attitude. Your bleeder pressure is wrong. That's not how it's done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Like you, you should have turned the seatbelt sign off. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, um, but I think like all of that stuff goes in the same. I mean, it's like listen, people are gonna paint how they want to paint. And they didn't necessarily make it for you. They made it for themselves. So, like, if I paint something perfectly perfect to real life, like, even if I went to the real plane and, you know, scanned everything and got everything perfect, somebody would still chime in and be like, listen, I've worked on these planes and You're wrong. this is all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's kind of something that you, you just have to ignore because yeah, I mean, I think one thing um, that I will say for painters is it's much better um, when, when you're working on a plane to pick a single registration versus looking up like, um, like Delta Airlines A320 mm-hmm. instead just look that up but find one registration and then just paint all the flaws and correctnesses of the single registration mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. saying this is a Delta A320 say this is Delta A320 November or whatever whatever um that definitely helps with the um with the the let's call it feedback Right. No one yeah, can yeah. criticize. This is the exact plane, the only one. This is how yeah. it looks. Yeah. If this if this plane isn't paint if the engine's not painted on it, then fine. Yeah. It won't be painted on the livery. And people will be pissed, but whatever. You picked that registration and that's the registration you're gonna fly. They give you crap, then you just send them the link. You're like, This is the registration. You see how that engine's not painted? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, mo- most of the time, I've gotten to the point where I, I just don't respond. And that is a huge benefit of having your liveries on a website or, or on your own website or on a Dropbox um, or something of that nature is because people are they are too lazy to go out of their way to tell you that you're wrong. 
like if, if it's on the org or absim or whatever it's very easy for them to like comment and be like this is all trash too easy but they don't yeah exactly so if you have it where like where uh on a dropbox or whatever they're they're not gonna like go and find you on Facebook. And be like, Listen, <laughs> I was just on your Dropbox and yeah. I took the time to come to your Facebook exactly. to tell you that your livery is trash. Yeah, and I I think that's an influence of people that like don't want to put their stuff on the org, myself included. Is just like having to deal with all these people that are gonna like trash your work and tell you like not to paint anymore or whatever it's just not worth it and then all the dms too i mean really geez. yeah because people they'll point out stuff that's wrong in dm like when they want to send lots of pictures to prove you wrong because people feel like they need to have like a solid case um and then additionally they'll like also request more liveries at the same time <laughs> <laughs> wow wow yeah <laughs> That is shocking like, to me. Yeah. Jeez. It's like, listen, everything you did is entirely wrong and you need to stop painting. However, if you do keep painting, <laughs> please do these five aircraft. Like <laughs> Does your does your um does your painting for simulators, does that hobby translate into your job in real life or are they completely different? They are totally separate. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's nothing in common so b before um so i started painting in high school and then i um and then in college i that's when i i really started painting like a lot a lot um and that i was in uh, school for social work um so not related to anything any one of my hobbies um <laughs> and um Anyways, that that's I, I'm still technically in school, but it's kind of on a pause. Um, but I work for Amnesty International now, oh, um, nice. which is a, a oh, awesome. very large human rights group. Um, and I work in fundraising in, in our headquarters. Um, but yeah, so it's it's not related at all. But it, um, yeah, it, it has nothing to do with my simulation. I can't I can't even figure out how it's related. Because it's not, <laughs> um, but it's something I enjoy, and, and so is fight some. So, but I'd say the only uh, sometimes, sometimes there is crossover because painting um, does give you skill that can be easily translated to graphic design skill, um, and graphic design skill can put you way ahead in, in painting if you're trying to get in it and you're a graphic designer. Um, because honestly, most of it is just knowing how to use the software. Um, that's a big part of it. But um, so I, I have been able to do a little bit of um, graphic design work, um, which I can attribute to my painting career. Um, but in terms of flight sim, uh, no, it's not related to anything I do in real life. I kind of have a separate, separate world once I sit down on my computer. So have you delved into other games and stuff and tried to paint for them or have you really just stuck to flight sim i've tried it i i there's been a few games where i've wanted to but i'm so 
used to the way things are in flight sim that it um it's like trying to what's the phrase teach an old dog new tricks yeah. you know um so i'm just like that doesn't make any sense i'm not doing that um i think the biggest one that was disappointment was the truck simulator i really wanted to um uh, paint a truck and couldn't figure it out so well so basically your flight sim workflow is so good that trying to relearn something else it's going to be tough huh exactly yeah um even even just the switch to trying to do you know i've been doing x-plane livery so long just trying to do a p3d livery of which i have now done two thank you uh, <laughs> congratulations <laughs> yeah. um that was really difficult for me because you know i have my particular way that i do explain liveries and i've got it down so well that i could do it you know in my sleep um and it's actually it's, how much of it is muscle memory is is something that is a struggle when i'm trying to help other painters um which i do a lot of i mean my, my whole streaming the whole purpose of it is is uh, to help painters um and they'll ask me what's like what's the key command to do this or whatever what's the shortcut and i never know because i've been doing it so long that i don't pay attention like it's just like i do it a certain way um and then I, all my liveries like they didn't used to be like this but i'm glad that i learned it that i keep it like a very specific folder structure and keep it all super organized because what back when i first started I made so many horrible mistakes and it was so sad <laughs> because I would realize the mistakes way later and I couldn't change them because I saved them wrong or the file order was all messed up and it was too difficult. When I first started painting, I used to flatten all the layers at the end. Because I, I thought you had to do that to save it. And what that does, for people that don't know, is it makes all the different paint layers that you made one single image. So you can't edit anything anymore. Ah, so you couldn't go back to your master file and change anything. It was just done. Exactly, because I flattened the master file. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd well. flatten the master file and save it. And then I used to, the, the big problem, I, the first plane that I got really into painting was the 767 and the 767 still to this day in fact i'm as a matter of fact i'm boycotting the 767 currently firmly because the exterior textures drive me crazy why and other people may not care and i do not want to ruin the plane for anybody else so i'm not going to go into detail but for me as someone who's stared at those textures close up and tries to fly with them they bother me and even back then they bothered me. And so what I try to do to fix it, which is the worst thing, is to just paint it white over, like solid white on top of the textures. But then I'd flatten the image. So then even now, if people use those liveries, there's like this horrible white paint over it. And I can't do anything about it. <laughs> wow. Ladies and gentlemen, the mind of a master. <laughs> he sees the imperfections that some people don't like myself yeah no it, it was so 
yeah it still bothers me i i need to just like remove them all off the org but then it's like hiding you know your history so maybe <laughs> not but <laughs> but it, it's yeah it's definitely a soft spot and that's why like I always recommend like don't download any of my liberties off the org because they're trash. If, yeah, if they're not on my website, it's because I didn't think they were worth anything. <laughs> and, yeah, and then additionally, I don't update anything on the org. So if I make an update to a livery, you have to get it from the website. Um, like if there's changes or anything, but yeah, it, it's it's bad. Just don't go to my profile and look through old stuff basically that's that's the moral of the story <laughs> so your transition from uh explain over to p3d is not as simple as people would think it is no it it was a process that was like long coming let's say um and i think as i said in the in the beginning you know um large machines that's that's my interest um so heavy aircraft is really something that uh i like more than anything um and back in x-plane 9 like as i was saying you know we had these heavy aircraft like the 787 and triple seven um and they like from perspective back then they were not bad. Um, so it was, it was fun to fly them. Um, but the issue I had in X plane um, that, that was like growing for years was that there weren't any heavy aircraft that I liked to fly. Um, Cause the triple seven got too dated. Um, and then the, as I said, the seven, six, seven textures bother me. Um, and yeah, so it, I just kind of ended up in this position where I was just flying planes that I didn't care all that much about. And then I'm watching like, you know, on Reddit or, or YouTube or wherever, um, people flying like the PMDG or whatever, 777, and it gets difficult, you know, to like watch and be like, those are the planes that I like more than anything and we don't have them. No, I completely understand. I mean, I get add-on, plain add-on envy from P3D just being a X-Plane user only. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, the quality. I mean, and I think a lot of um, people can hold themselves back because of the price of it all, but it's definitely something that, like, lingers. Um, and I think even people on P3D have that, you know, coming the other way. I, I think if someone can afford to be in both sims it's definitely the best like setup right now but um yeah it, it all just depends on on what kind of flying you like to do and long hauls are my favorite type so that that's kind of where the switch mostly came from uh, but i definitely wasn't planning on painting um for p3d because there's plenty of talented um painters in p3d that that um um even some that i know personally and yeah i just didn't see that that um there was any purpose in, in in me joining that um there weren't like really any new aircraft out um so yeah it was 
it's just like you know i'm just gonna let that that painting environment do its thing i've kind of established an x-plane so i I was painting for i was still painting an x-plane while basically only flying p3d oh wow for wow yeah for like interesting seven or eight months i i would paint x-plane and then load up in p3d and and do a flight um (laughs) so i I stopped using a lot of my zebo liveries that i did um i never flew them (laughs) i just painted them and i was flying p3d any words of advice for new and upcoming painters you know that you drop knowledge on just what to look out for, what to stay away from, how to approach the work so they can be as long lasting as you have been in, in um, the space. And I'll also add, um, if you have any, any little things to add about transitioning, because it seems like transitioning between X-Plane and P3D is definitely something that um, other people will probably take their, you know, take a dip their toes into at some point and as you've been talking about, it's very, very different. Yeah. Well, for painters, um, I mean, I definitely, um, I, I don't stream or paint as much anymore, but when I do, I, I always um, recommend that, that painters come in and ask me questions because it's much easier for uh, me to give advice and, and talk about it when I kind of know where a person's coming from. Um, and um, I, I try to do YouTube. I've, I've been wanting to make a YouTube series to, to kind of help. Um, and painting work largely the mechanics are the same on, on both um, sides of, of the simulator world. So um, yeah, it's something that I, I do want to do, but like, like I said before, you know, sticking to a registration, I definitely would recommend not taking requests. It's very tempting, mm-hmm. um, especially in the beginning. Um, it could be good to build experience if, if you are bad at deciding what to paint. Um, but I, I think it's easier to keep um, keep your interest in painting if you're if you're doing the liveries you want to do um, versus having fifty people tell you what they want. Right. Um, so if you're if you're trying to really get into painting and, and make it something that's a part of your like hobby experience, making sure that it's something you're enjoying is is definitely the most important. In, in other words, paint what you want first. Exactly. Or exactly. anything else. Yeah, because ev- everyone is everyone's gonna want something from you, uh, but that's gonna make you not want to do it. That's true. Um, I mean, I get a lot of flight requests to do routes and stuff, but at the end of the day, I fly what I want to fly because I know I'll enjoy it so I can give a better show. So you can make exactly. a, better, a better livery because you're painting what you want to paint. I get it. Yeah. And, and then the last thing I'll say, it, and this is something that I think is really big, um, and not just for painting, even for like YouTubers or, or what have you, the temptation to focus on your brand versus your product. Um, and I'm saying product just as a word to describe whatever you're making. Um, but too many people, you know, they'll paint delivery and immediately try and have some brand name or like set up donations or 
um, Twitter or Facebook page, whatever. Um, and I, I kind of just think it's better to take, get to those steps as it becomes necessary. Right. Um, versus trying to set it all up in the beginning. Cause then you're just doing so much work and you don't even know if it's going to be something that you're going to be able to keep up. So do, um, do what you do best and the rest will fall into place. Exactly. You know, pe- people will, will learn your name if you're making good stuff. Um, you don't need to try and make sure they know your name the first time they're downloading something. Great advice. Great advice. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I think that, that makes a lot of painters give up too quickly. Um, cause they aren't, they aren't getting 50 donations when they post their first livery. Right. Um, <laughs> they yeah. feel like they're not worth it or something. Exactly. So just, just do the liveries and then, you know, as people start to know you, then you start building the brand. Um, yeah, but then as far as P three X plane P three D working with Sam, I think I mean a big thing is just hmm, the shorthand phrase would just be stay off Facebook, but <laughs> it's really difficult because everywhere you go, people are gonna be telling you like one is better than the other. You can't use both like, um, and then even, even within those ecosystems, like you have the planes or developers competing against each other and it's like, oh, you cannot use that. Like you have, you have to get this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like you told us and flight factor. No, (laughs) choose a side, pick a side. Yeah. Um, so just try and stay away from the divisiveness. If you like something and you want to get something, then then do that. And you can take people's feedback, but yeah, honestly, the fight sim community is not the most um, capable of giving good feedback. <laughs> true, <laughs> true, true, yeah. very true. Yeah, um, but I think just trying to stay out of the turf war is the best move. Um, yeah, and I think it all comes down to, to remembering that this is a, a hobby, so you're supposed to enjoy it. You're not supposed to be, you know, fighting all the time. At all costs. <laughs> Don't allow anybody to pit you against somebody else just because. Exactly. Yeah, we're all just trying to fly our fake planes. <laughs> exactly. At the end of the day, it's a fake plane. Yeah. I yeah. like that. So since we're getting closer to that hour mark, um, before we wrap it up, um, you mentioned that one of the main reasons for switching over to P3D is because you foresee yourself flying in Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 the most. Um, I have to ask, what is the thing that you are the most excited for with the simulator? And that can either be with your workflow or just flying in general. Well, so for liveries, I I don't see much change um, coming. I don't know what could possibly change all that much. Um, However, from what it looks like, I'm hoping that we'll get some better resolution capabilities in terms of the files we get to paint on and, and things like that. 
uh, you know, more detail is always more fun. Um, well, not always, but <laughs> gives you more possibility. Um, um, and yeah, but I, I really don't think there's there's all that much. I do think I do think that it will, and this is this is why I'm painting in P3D now. Uh, mostly is is just because I do think that the switch from getting textures into to P3D will be more similar in getting textures to uh, FS2020 versus getting textures into X-Plane because um, they do work kind of differently. Um, so I, I am anticipating that the process will be less of a learning curve on the ESP side. Um, but who knows? I mean, it, it's something that we just have to wait to find out. Um, if I, if I was an alpha tester, that's definitely what I would be looking at. So you wouldn't be flying, you'd be trying to modify um, the libraries that are there or make your own right away, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I may load up, but yeah, I definitely would want to be seeing like how it's going to be and see if I can learn, maybe make some for default aircraft so that when it's out, I can, you know, already have a little section or whatever have like a foot um, in the door yeah exactly I, I have no doubt that you guys are going to have a whole ecosystem around a microsoft platform in 2020 it's yeah human nature exactly well and that's the thing like like what i was talking about for like with regards to keeping that fresh feeling there's nothing more fresh than having a, a brand new sim with all brand new aircraft that don't have any liveries yeah you know, like, fresh canvas exactly yeah so it makes it hard to paint old stuff you know because you're like but look at that like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah but in terms of flying there there's so much stuff to possibly be excited about that it's really hard to pinpoint it on one thing um definitely the water <laughs> going as, back as mentioned before the water is is something i'm really excited about um because it looks really good <laughs> maybe you can get a boat in there or something exactly i somebody's gonna make a mod or something i, I know it uh, <laughs> no combined boat maybe somebody made a car for explain 11 you can drive around in, in the sim maybe they can oh, yeah. a boat. Yeah, yeah you know people might not know and they're not on org anymore but back in x-plane 9 there was actually, I cannot remember the name, but there was a payware developer that made tons of cars. Um, there was like a Humvee. Oh, um, really? God. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, it was. they made a lot of vehicles. Um, I wish I had a picture, and I know that I, I owned one, <laughs> at least. Um, I'm pretty sure there's like a Dodge Charger available or something like that right yeah, now. Yeah, there was a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, that was wild. But yeah, no, I, I think, and then of course the weather, um, that looks like a, a massive improvement um, from from now. But it's it's mainly just something that, that I think we'll all just have to wait and see because I do think that a lot of it's going to depend on the, the third party development. And third party developers seem pretty excited about it. And I think that's that's also what's, what's building that hype is because of how interested, especially on the ESP side of things, that developers are into um, Microsoft Flight Simulator um, and 
they seem to be doing a good job of of keeping developers involved as well um from what i can tell that's a good thing because third-party developers actually bring life to a simulator yeah. exactly yeah and it seems like they're not making the same mistake as some other um simulators in the past that shall remain nameless um but yeah it it, it just seems like they've, they've made a lot of improvements and everyone that that has it seems to think it's it's great i don't think that it's going to be the the grim reaper so to say um, that there's definitely still going to be room for people to find a reason to to load up x-plane my big one is helicopters right now yeah um, so um and same with with p3d um it'll be probably be a while before you can do a decent long haul in microsoft flight simulator um so yeah i, I think there's going to be a few years but i think most people are excited for how it's going to be in five years you know yeah true two years um, yeah, yeah, even two years. I mean, who who knows? But all the I think that also depends how 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 easy it is for developers to port stuff into um, that simulator, especially if it can supposedly load up FSX stuff. Who knows? Like, who knows? <laughs> is there is there anything else that you want to, you know, say while while you have this opportunity on on microphone to people who follow you or? Uh, just in in general uh not too much i mean you know if people ever want to say hi they can always pop into my stream if i'm streaming or, or say hi on facebook but yeah I, I hope everyone you know enjoys the the liveries that i make hope people uh fly well and i i really hope i've always uh wanted people to get inspired to start painting on their own um because I think there's still a lot of room to grow for quality painters um, on in simulation in general, um, but for people to really enjoy um, doing the work and uh, it's making art and it's nice. Yeah. Yep. And let me say thank you so much for these liveries because I've u- certainly used them before you even saw that you streamed course, online, yeah. you know, and the quality of them is very good. So plug you again, SestonRockLiveries.com. They're still there for you. Explain guys out there who are crying right now. It's going to be not much. It's still available for you guys to, to have. So it's good. Definitely. man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us today, Tatiana. It's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I'm really happy that you're able to join us on this um, kind of like this, this new era of in-flight where we're, we're trying out this this more more conversational instead of a back and forth i think it went really really well and i'm really happy to have had you on yeah it was great it was really fun hope i didn't talk your ear off <laughs> honestly that's what we want because that's more content <laughs> that's what we need <laughs> yeah thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of in flight if you want to see more from tatiana be sure to check out cessnarockslivries.com to see all of her work i'm a big fan of hers she does really really great liveries Thank you so much again, Tatiana, for being on the show. And thank you so much, Norm, for being my new co-host. I'm really excited for us to continue working together. Anyways, thank you for listening to InFlight. Catch you guys next time.